Hello, my name is Robert Higgins. And I'm Kay Tuxford. And this is episode 48 of Screenwriting from the Trenches, a podcast about the craft and expression of screenwriting in all of its forms. From the perspective of writers, just like you. This uh, week, we are... Okay, do you have a problem already, Kay Tuxford? You were being very fancy there. I, I just, was. I needed to acknowledge the fanciness. Okay. Keep going. All right. Yeah. This week, we are starting a new segment on the podcast called the Micro Budget Series. Uh, and so for our inaugural episode, we have the writer and director of one of uh, our favorite new-to-us movies, The Wrong Todd, uh, Rod Schulbaum. Rob, welcome to the show. Rob, welcome to... Oh, my God. Rob, welcome to the show. Rob, thanks for having me. Kay, thanks for having me. Happy to have you. Yes, we are very happy to have you. Um, you know, I we sort of shouted out your movie a couple of weeks ago on the podcast. Um, I found it on... Um, you know what's crazy about the the wrong Todd? It was funny because I was like, "Have you seen this movie?" Like I was going around like t- like doing it to everyone. Have you seen the wrong Todd? You should watch the wrong Todd. Um, and then my wife was like, "I've already seen it. Where have you been?" And I was like, "Shit, <laughs> son of a bitch! How was, did you come to it? I'm curious." I yeah. was I was I've been looking uh, for a sort of movies within a certain um, certain space. Um, sort of uh, slow budget sci-fi uh, kind of things, like uh, things like on the edge of like um, you know rea- things that have pushed the bounds of reality and things like that. Um, we we had done a uh, uh, a look into the one I love with Elizabeth Moss uh, yes. and Mark mm-hmm. Duplass, and we we're talking mm-hmm. about how indie um, indie micro budgets really benefit when characters can play multiple. And these actors can play multiple characters as yeah. well. Yeah, and I was also it's like I, a two for one. Yeah, yeah, because I'm doing sort of a similar thing in a movie that I'm writing uh, for my series, How to Make a Movie for a Thousand Dollars. So I was sort of on that track, and then I came across your movie. It was recommended to me by the algorithm, and I was nice. like, I saw the trailer, and I was like, No, no, I'm in. I'm totally in. Oh, so, um, so, so the for the people at home, where is that movie located on the on the wide is, world of watching it is on the primes right rob yeah it's on the primes which is probably probably the most accessible i've heard it's someone's like hey you're on uh paramount plus i was like that's great (laughs) (laughs) wonderful that happened to me with with my movie i just like looked it up to show somebody the view time and i was like i guess we're on peacock tv now yeah it just you just it happens yeah once you get you know into the hands of like you know uh sort of distributors and things like that your movie just ends up in play people are like hey i saw your movie on you're like okay great i I guess it's there now that's fantastic my my favorite somebody was like i was on a i was on dubai air i was on a flight to like qatar or something and i saw your movie it's like okay (laughs) that's bizarre i'll take it yeah um so before we get to uh, Rob and the Wrong Todd, uh, we must, as always, discuss what is screenwriting Twitter fighting slash talking about this week. Um, and we are continuing our coverage of 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 the dumpster fire that that is the <laughs> that is the saga of Ezra Miller. Uh, he put out a uh, um, a an apology this week um and denounced i think it was yesterday um we were recording this on friday he announced uh, i think this thursday that he is going to rehab yeah and um, i think it's they by the way yes they are going to rehab and uh 
Okay, sure. Uh... Well, yeah, I mean, uh, good luck. I think that, I think their, their PR team is like, this is the only path for you. They're scrambling. They wanted yeah. to like, they want this, because this is a funny thing, because this is in conjunction with, all, you know, all the stuff that we've been talking about for the last few weeks is like, they desperately want um, Ezra Miller to be presentable in some kind um, for the press junket that they know they're going to have to put him through put them through for the flash next year and man that's gonna be <laughs> that is gonna be comedy personified i just can't wait for that shit um i'm just i'm just catching up on this i, I googled it and man this get what a rap sheet yeah this is the first time hearing about it but it's, it's quite the record they've been they have been on a, a roll specifically this summer yes uh, like this summer they were like you know let's not worry about hot girl guy whatever summer uh, they're just like, let's just do some insane shit. Um, yeah. From like having guns on on their farm that children can access to robbing their neighbor of booze. Like I'm, you know, this person is just. I don't Allegedly know. Allegedly starting have, a cult, grooming yeah, a child <laughs> since they were children. Yes. Yes. It's, yeah. It's just, but you know what's funny? They yeah. did not miss any of the reshoots for the Flash movie. That's apparently, that's the new part of the story. It's that while all the crazy shit was going on, they missed none of, none of the reshoots that they had for the Flash movie. What so, a consummate professional. I know, you, you gotta <laughs> give it up for that. Like, crazy on the outside, but professional on the inside. Died mm -hmm. in the wool. I mean, you gotta think, if that's, if this person is not afraid of the law, but is afraid of welching on WB contracts. What kind of shit do you... It's <laughs> in those fucking contracts to keep a person who is, who is like out there in the world doing God knows what. And then it's just like, wait, 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 wait we got to stop. We got, I got to go back to Warner Brothers because uh, I'm, not, I'm not missing these reshoots. I'm crazy, but I'm not stupid. You know what I mean? You don't want to get in too deep with the studio. Right. No. Yeah. I just figured that they, you know, they're like, he, they made it to these, uh, you know, reshoots. But I just assumed they, like, came with the car and inside was, like, a bunch of drugs and guns or whatever they're about. And they're like, get in. It's going to be a fun time. Like, yeah. I have a feeling they're, get like, big and We're going shopping. Um... Yeah, exactly. And then they're like, on set probably intoxicated being like oh these are reshoots i had no idea i think there was some trickery i have no idea yeah. but that that just that the law fuck the law the, but warner brothers whoa there better make time <laughs> better make time for these reshoots can't be fucking around with warner brothers <clears throat> um speaking of which uh the dumpster fire that is uh warner, warner brothers. brothers uh continues to shrug right along with their new merger uh they announcing a bunch of layoffs and cancelizations apparently they are trying to from what i've read they are trying to finance or or um uh sort of make up for uh their 50 billion dollar purchase of discovery um by writing off a bunch of things and firing a bunch of people and getting rid of a lot of shows, which apparently has inordinately uh, affected folks of color um, and their right. projects, which includes Batgirl, of course. 
Yeah. Um, and but they apparently have are writing off about eight hundred and twenty five million dollars worth of projects, um, which wow, um, the, it's insane. But um, you know, the, you got to call that budget somehow, I guess. And I guess I, there's there's kind of this uh, like dystopian feeling about HBO Max this day these mm -hmm. days. I've had people call me and they're like, I gotta watch this now because who knows how long it's gonna be here. Yeah, that's uh, a lot of there's a lot of that going around. Shows are like disappearing overnight and stuff because they don't want to pay royalties uh, to the creators, and so anything that you know they don't want to leave on there and pay for is just blinking out. So um, we're all nervous. Well, yeah. yeah, although I have to say that's not necessarily like a, an HBO Max thing. It's a it's a streaming thing in general. It where is it, in it's general, but very it's much happening like, rapid fire. Apparently mm -hmm. just this morning I saw 200 episodes of Sesame Street has been taken down. Yeah, no, they were not, just like... Not Sesame Street. Not yeah. Sesame Street. <laughs> I guess they can't tell you how to get there. Um, it It's just... <laughs> They just, you know, it's, I think it was a lot of those older contracts, anything that was sort of under, like sort mm -hmm. of older rules where it was like, these also come with residuals. They were like, fuck them out. They're done. They're, right. <laughs> we don't need them here. You know what I mean? Like, let somebody else pay these royalties. We're not doing that shit anymore. We're on that new shit uh, where they can, if they can screw you, they're, they're trying to. And so for me, it's it, like, this is going to. Uh, go into later on when we talk to um, Rob about his stuff. Um, but this seems to be indicative of where the puck is going, where it's like they are they are trying to cut off creators at the knees, where I've been seeing a lot uh, recently where they're just like, you know, there was a bunch of, it's sort of um, coming off of the Sydney Sweeney story about her, how like she was, there was this thing where she couldn't take uh, six months off, you know, like if she wanted to have a baby because she's not, independently well she doesn't have family money she's a working actress despite the fact that she is a rich working actress she is still a working actress and cannot take six months off to like start a family let's say or whatever like that because she didn't have the money um to support her lifestyle my i mean i can only play the violin for her so much because she is living in a three million dollar home so yeah. i'm like well but then again she's also living in la so you know what i mean like whatever so but there's a lot of talk about you know these sort of um the way that things are being done now that the streamers own everything um you know and it's like the more things change the more things stay the same before the streamers were seen as some sort of like you know they were like oh they're not going to treat us like the studios and now it's like they're treating you even worse and then it was like oh well at least they're not going to do commercials <laughs> now they S-Pod is taking over. So the more things change, the more they stay the same. It's lovely in Hollywood. And I just love everything uh, about it. And uh, Warner Brothers is a dumpster fire. And speaking of dumpster fires, <laughs> Kate Tuxford, bring us up to the next one. Uh, yeah, so this is just a, a fun bit. Uh, I, just, I just thought we could uh, enjoy, which is that um, the new show House of the Dragon had a premiere and Amelia Clark uh, got called short and dumpy by f uh, the Foxtel CEO and Australian uh, CEO. And uh, I just, you know, it's just, wow. it, it just, were well, you sitting there like even in being Amelia Clark right now, you cannot escape uh, just the trash fire that is media at the moment. Yeah. Uh, and if, if Amelia Clark is short and dumpy, uh, what hope do the rest of us have? <laughs>
I have no idea. I have yeah. no idea. That is that is just that is precious. Um, also, like a newsflash, most actors are actually pretty short. So yeah. I don't I don't I mean like is that like a a quality or like a I don't know, man. Like uh somebody told him about Tom Cruise because I just feel like um mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know. What has Amelia Clark done to deserve this? Yeah. Right. She's just hanging out at her movie premiere. Minding her own business. Yeah. But I All think that if, she's been through. Yeah. I think she has every right to just say Tricaris and light him on fire. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure you're like, oh, okay. Yeah, I'm sure. Okay. Okay. Tricaris. Yeah. And it's fine. I just, I, you know, like there's so, there's so much sexism in this industry and, you know, like... It, it, there was a lot, which sort of goes into our next one, um, with She-Hulk being review-bombed. Um, I don't understand what it is about, like, the, oh my god. There, there's, there, I don't know if any of you have heard the term the MCU. It's like this really stupid buzzword that, that the, the right-wing um, incel fuckers um, are tossing around because Kevin Feige decided to do shows about women or movies about women. And they're like, and it's like, he's not making these characters up. They exist in the comic book universe already. He's not, they already exist. They're they're not new characters. She-Hulk is not a new character. Um, You know, Captain Marvel is not a new character. You know, Miss Marvel is not a new, well, she's relatively new in terms of like, she's only been around for like, you know, the early, since our early aughts uh, or the mid aughts, but she's not a new character. These aren't new to like Marvel. Comic books and Marvel, yeah. yeah. They're just they're just taking the character, like are we supposed to have all male characters? Are they only supposed to be in supporting roles? Like I don't get it. I do not understand like what it is, but they're just like And so like, you know, then She-Hulk got review bombed before anybody even saw it. Um, They just, they, they did a show about a woman and she's a Hulk. And a lawyer, yeah. Oh god. Uh, yeah, I think I think there's just a natural sometimes like backlash. Uh, it's just that toxic fandom. I think it oh. can happen anywhere. Um, and unlike the Snyder fans who probably oh. were bots, uh, the, these folks just seem to come out in spades when they feel like the, a movie was not made for them or a show was not made for them. Um, I wish I got to be angry every time something wasn't made for me. Like I, I would, I'd be exhausted <laughs> because nothing, you know, it's nothing. Yeah, you don't want that me. life. Yeah, yeah exactly. no, that's that's Paw Patrol a... not made for Sad. me. Very upsetting. Yeah. Yeah. How dare they? Bluey, um... however, very much for me. Yeah, yeah. You just, uh, it just depends. Um, no, but I, I think these people feel a personal like ownership, or like I am the ultimate fan, and if I'm not happy. I'm, I can't be, you know, no one else should be. I think they, like, they feel uh, entitled to be, like, the fan base of Marvel or, you know, the people Marvel should be catering to. And sorry, it's not you. That's not how capitalism well, works. Moving. I've heard, like, yeah. this whole thing about, like, you know, they're like, why are comics so woke now? And I'm like, wait a minute. They're what are you talking woke. about, yeah. man? Like, have you met Stan Lee? Like, did you, did you ever, did you ever, like, read... Like the X Men, dude. Did you ever like? Did you know what they were for? Like, come on, man. Like, they're those allegories are so thin. They're so friggin' thin. 
And it's like, where where have you been this whole time? <laughs> like, I, I get that, like, you know, like we have the, you know, the fact that comic books are 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 like colorful and you know they feature like women with ridiculous proportions, shall we call that? And that's always been problematic. You sure. know what I mean? Then like I get it, but like that was just the medicine trying to get to help you to swallow, you know, the the sugar to help you swallow the medicine. Do you, right, like right. you know what I mean? It's always and, and, been there. And it's, comics often have everybody in ridiculous proportions. Oh yeah, no, yeah. like you know, so, it's not like the men are, are, are any more realistic than the women. Yeah, when Colossus <laughs> yeah. comes up from X Men, people aren't like, yeah, my dad has that body. They don't. Do right. That. Yeah. Right. Mm -mm. Um, mm -hmm. You know, Thor's not. You know, like uh, you know, he he doesn't look like my dad at all. Because um, my dad doesn't have a god hammer. Um, you That's know, the only difference. <laughs> Yeah. It's this it's the only difference um maybe um anyway so you know i just don't get it but you know a lot everybody was was unhappy um, not again. everybody very few yeah just people. yeah very, were just you that, unhappy you know, rob i was not um and i'll know. be talking about that a little later but first first um we are going to talk about our guest and his yes. movie the wrong todd in our new uh segment the micro budget series and so first thing i want to ask rob is what's your orange origin story sir because you know it's really funny like i look around like you know if you google uh rob schulbaum like a lot of things like that comes up is uh well the first thing that really comes up is editor and i'm like editor you're like that's that's really downplaying this dude. This dude's multi-talented. Um, if this dude's only an editor, then I'm then I'm like only a a podcaster. Like what? It's like, <laughs> well, that's IMDb has made that decision for me. Um, right. You know, you go there and it's a that's that's the moniker that they've given to me. So um, that is you know where I kind of started my career, and IMDb has boxed me in. Mm -hmm. uh, but you know, I've I've tried. Uh, I've been branching out recently. Um, I'd say not so recent anymore. The past six or seven years, I can't believe it's been that long. Um, but yeah, I, I started my career as an editor. I worked at um, shows like Family Guy, um, where I learned a lot about being in a big production. Um, and I I decided to kind of strike out and and start doing stuff in a small way. Uh, and that's what the wrong Todd was uh, essentially. All right, um, which brings me to uh, sort of the next thing. Like, you currently live in Rhode Island. I'm hoping I'm not out of you there, but you moved out of LA. Can I? May I ask? May I ask why? May I ask why you moved out of the LA? Uh, well, there there was there's a multitude of, of reasons. Um, there was some personal reasons. Uh, you know, couldn't afford that three million dollar house for one. <laughs> uh, Rhode Island's far more affordable. Um, but I also found that, you know, th things were changing. You mentioned earlier, you know, uh, streamers were taking over, um, studios were, uh, you could do stuff outside of the studios that was more readily available uh, to everyone. Uh, and I, I knew, having grown up in Rhode Island, that there's like a passion here. Um, that not, not to say that there's no passion in LA, um, but we were able to, moving out here, I was able to assemble this ragtag group of people who just wanted to like, make a good project and have fun. Um, and it was, it was the experience that I was looking for at the time to do, you know, uh, make a, make a bigger story in a, in a, in a smaller way. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I 
sort of, I listened to another podcast where you were talking about the, um, the film community in Rhode Island. And it was like, yeah, I, I started to get almost inspired. I'm like, man, do I need to move into New England? I, <laughs> I, I do. I feel like, I almost feel like, I, I mean, it's New England starting to have like, you know, if, you, if you've got Rhode Island and they've got like a, a film community that's, you know, that's popping um, and they're making movies like The Wrong Todd and then you've got Stephen King. So, I mean, that's, that's two out of three. You know what I mean? I, I, like, <laughs> if I could find a job, I mean, there's like some main people there. too. I was gonna say Lucas McNally and isn't Nathan Graham Davis somewhere over on the East Coast? Uh, I believe he is. Um, uh, I believe he is, and he may he may be Southern. I'm not sure about that. I I, I can't remember that. Once one, you're but... on the East Coast, it's easy to go up. Yeah, it's right? e much easier to go up. Yeah. It's like it's really weird. Like I, I you know like I was I remember meeting someone from who's in Connecticut and like between us was like Scranton it's so weird and you know because of like traffic and stuff like that you you're never really more than a few hours like five or six hours from somebody mm. it feels like on the east coast which is really really nice unless they're in Florida and then you know you kind of have to discount them completely because <laughs> um you know speaking of dumpster fires um but you know like that's fine you know then you've got Guy, um, you know, our mayor of screenwriting Twitter, who is in uh, NOLA, obviously. And that's obviously, obviously, you can't take NOLA out of that. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, there's a thing like I know a lot of folks because uh, I'm from the Baltimore area. Well, originally from the Baltimore area now. But like, you know, you have folks. I know a lot of folks that sort of live half the year where they're shooting or doing or working in Georgia and then living half the year up here in the Baltimore area um so it, it you know because you can get to georgia within like four or five hours um you know i won't say regularly but i plan trips to go to like north carolina and things like that and 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 georgia and like all those places down there it's just it's you know the east coast is just cool for like that the other thing is the reason for that is because you can actually jump on a highway and get somewhere in like two hours whereas two hours on a highway in los angeles you're going maybe five miles um you know hey hey i didn't spend three and a half hours in traffic yesterday or anything like that no. I mean, very close to home okay no. uh, and no. you know you know you drive for two hours through los angeles and you're still in los angeles it's 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 magic yeah <laughs> it's fantastic yeah yeah, LA is LA is great. Don't get me wrong. Sometimes, sometimes I'm like, why did I leave? Um, but yeah. other times, you know, being being out here um, in a smaller film market, um, it affords you more access. Especially if you, I would recommend to anybody to go get that experience in a major film market. Uh, and then if if you want to do indie film, you want to do micro budget stuff like that, go back to your hometown. You know, your money's going to go a lot further. Um, and you know, just you know, make sure you have some talented friends there, and and you got a good a good little burgeoning studio now i want to ask like how speaking of money how scientific to your budget did you get with your screenplay like there's a lot of things that the wrong todd is doing um where it is stretching its budget in a screenwriting way um you're very much being what i like to call a cinemathematician and yeah. can you just talk about that uh, in your screenplay like where like was that sort of the plan or did that did it just sort of end up that way yeah I mean the the idea was 
everything was kind of built around what I knew that we could do. Uh, so I knew that there was going to be some like a few minor special effects that I could handle myself. Mm -hmm. um, I knew there wasn't going to be a budget for any any, you know, big action sequences or anything like that. Um, so it kind of as I was writing it, I, I asked myself, is this something we can film? Mm -hmm. um, and it it kind of created a boundary. It, it created guardrails that were very narrow. Mm -hmm. um, but it afforded me opportunities to like get creative and 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 push it as far as I could. Um, and you know, where I, where it might've been easier to, to hit a problem with a hammer, uh, you know, and, and say, <laughs> oh, and then, then there's a big explosion. Like, sure. That, that would be a great way to solve a story issue. Um, uh, but I knew we didn't have that. So it had to be creative in other ways. We, uh, you know, this kind of reminds me, I don't know if you had a process like that, but my, one of my producing partners and I are working on some shorts and we're trying to organize which ones to do first. And we have three categories, no budget, low budget and miracle. You know, and miracles like, oh, it's a great idea, but you need like three or four miracles in a row to pull that off. And anything in the miracle category, we're not touching with the 10 foot pole. You know, I think it's like it's basically kind of realizing like having an explosion or something like that. You suddenly are in the miracle category. You're like, if I can get permits, if I can find some place to blow up, if I can, da, 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 <laughs> you know, suddenly it becomes all these ifs instead of I could wake up tomorrow and do that. So um, one thing I think we want to tell for our viewers at home is where did you come up with the idea of the wrong Todd? Um, let's let's find out more about the story. Yeah, so um, it's it was kind of I really gravitate towards uh, sci-fi as a storytelling method. Um, you know, I'm not I'm not going out there trying to make um, Interstellar or like any of these huge <laughs> like immersive sci-fi movies. More, it's a movie. I wanted to tell a story about relationships, um, but sci-fi has a way of like making you look at them in a new way. Um, so I, I've always kind of, I've been a fan of other, you know, Star Trek, the next generation. Um, you know, I, I grew up on a lot of these um, character driven stories that have sci-fi in the background. Um, and th this, this idea, I was always interested in the idea of like man versus himself. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, I think I, wanted to take that to its logical conclusion um, and have, you know, a man who actually is confronted with like a self-loathing version of himself, um, who's also happens to be like a better version of himself. So it kind of started from there. Um, and then the other elements got roped into it, the, you know, different dimensions, um, the girlfriend character, also D Dave, the friend character who had multiple versions of himself. So it was all kind of built on that uh, core concept of, of man, man versus self. But in a with a sci-fi twist, right, right, awesome. Yeah, I love that. It also seems to be uh, very much a collaboration with your friend Jesse Rosen. Uh, like I, like you two have been friends since high school um, or college. College, yeah. Um, and so I that that sort of warms my heart because I have my own sort of Jesse uh, Paul Mide, um, who is we both met in community college, and um, he's sort of my my guy he's my guy and uh so i was sort of glad to hear that it sort of warmed my heart that you two sort of made this movie together and it's very much a showcase of his talent he's a he's a pretty talented dude um you know he's he's vulnerable when he needs to be and he, he'll make you laugh like you know through the whole thing and he really does do a great job of sort of putting this spin on like this is the dark version of this person um you know something if if what happens to Todd 
in the other universe were, were to happen to, you know, uh, our sort of Todd Prime, you know, like that's, this is the kind of person that you would end up. Um, and it's, it's a really, really subtle performance. And I was like, somebody needs, like, this guy's doing a, like real good work. Like, this is a great showcase of his talent. Um, and just like, was he involved in the, in the screenwriting process or, or the story process anyway, or just like, or was like, you were like, I know what this dude can do. And so, you know, you just wrote to that. Yeah, well, uh, Jesse and I had been, we've been bouncing script ideas off each other for, you know, what, 20, 20 years now. <laughs> um, and so we, we, I think we each know each other's strengths. And I would say that the movie would not have happened without him. Uh, you know, when I was writing the short, I sat down to write the short and I forget what it was. Something came out and I was like, oh, it's too similar. I'm just going to shelve it. And he was like, no, 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 meet me at this cafe. We're going through it. And he, like, we went through page by page. And he was like, no, 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 you do this, you do that. And he wouldn't let me stop. So that that's that's the great thing about Jesse is he's like, he just wants to go ahead and do it. And that that's where like we had a yin and yang thing where like I sometimes sometimes I'm like, oh, I don't know if this is a good idea. He's like, no, just do it. Um, so really, really wouldn't have happened without him um, to, to answer your question. Yeah. Yeah, um, I, you know, that's the, you know, sort of things that, you know, that you love that you can, that you sort of hope that you can get in sort of with that kind of collaboration with an actor um, or, you know, just sort of anybody like you, you always want to be so collaborative on, on like these, you know, these micro budget things. And I want to ask about what's like you've worked, like you said, you've worked on shows like Family Guy, so you've worked for studios and things like that, or you've worked at places where there are studios and what's been your experience with micro budget versus Hollywood like which do you prefer like I, I mean I'm I guess I could garner a, like a, a guess but I, I want to hear it from you <laughs> uh I mean there it's it's hard to compare um you know any studio project I was involved with I was you know um one of the cogs in the machine um so that I mean that's the biggest difference if you're doing micro budget you get to tell your story the way you want within the limits of what you have access to um and there's really nothing that can compare to that um, I will say, though, that working in a studio um, or as, as part of a larger team um, is an invaluable learning opportunity. Uh, you know, I learned so much about about comedy and, and writing um, and how to how to put a project together just from being kind of on the the outskirts um, of Family Guy and other productions. Uh, you know, I wouldn't trade that experience for the world, um, but I wanted to go out and I wanted to do something right away. Um, so I took those lessons learned, uh, to do the micro budget stuff, which is when you're at a studio, it's, it's like, you're, it's like, you're going out to the oil derrick every day and you're like, you're drilling and you're, you're, you know, you're, you're making that progress and you're doing hard work and you're getting paid. And it, but when you're doing micro budget, it's like, it's kind of like being in a, in a, in a platoon, you got your, your war buddies and you're going out, um, <laughs> and you're making it happen and you're, and you're working hard and your feet are wet and you have to change your socks 10 times a day. And it's, it's just, it's just a different experience. Um, but they're, they're both really, really valuable and, and I'd recommend trying both. Yeah. I just, you know, um, go ahead, Kate. Tepsford. No, I was just agreeing. I think, I think he's right. They're apples and oranges. Uh, and, uh, I think, Honestly, maybe having that industry experience first, you kind of uh, had this ability, maybe tell me if I'm right or wrong, to understand like what you could maybe get away on the micro level. Did that help you kind of just uh, maybe realize like, oh, this is too big. This is going to take, 
you know, like a full crew to do where I need to do something where it's just like me and my friends, you know, at an Airbnb or whatever. Like, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, think, I think. Because you, you had the... the full crew experience before. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I'm going to shut up. Go on. <laughs> no worries. Uh, yeah, it's see, seeing the scope from from both sides, I think, is exactly. is immensely valuable. Um, and I don't I wouldn't have been able to even even picture it without having seen seen it on the, the large scale um, to bring it down to the small scale and, and know what we could do. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I've, I like I think um, it was so weird to me, like if, if you think about like. Um, I remember when I was making my first movie and that to that to me and even that was only like a like a $15,000 budget um, and it was like for me but we also had like because I had a really great producer in my wife like we had like 40 people on that set and like it was just so big it was I like I didn't appreciate it at the time you know what I mean because it was like but I sort of see what you mean because we had like like every lead in the movie we had four female leads in the movie like each one of them had their own makeup person and you know like um we were just operating at a level you know we got like the the sheriff to shut down a road and like all of these different things and we were operating with permits and things like that and it was crazy to me but i i sort of guessed like that's what it's like to work i mean i also have been on like 20 million dollar sets but like to me like it was like the, I, you know, having worked since then, like, I don't think it's ever gotten up to that point where we've had that much money and worked at sort of that level. But I can sort of see what you're talking about, where, you know, if you're, if you're going at that level, where you're like, you know, where you're almost tripping over the amount of crew that you have, you know, there's a bunch of people on set, and you're doing this, and you sort of recognize that, you know, what you're capable of, um, you know, at that budgetary level, um, then you can sort of, I was able to take all of that and go, all right, this is what it looks like at this level, but I can shrink this down to 4,000 and like do something that would be much more intimate, um, but also just as good. Um, just that kind of like being able to, to having the bigger experience, you're able to take that and be like, what do I need? What is the core of this and shrink it down into something smaller? Um, so I guess I can sort of see it for that. Um, but I'm, my thing is sort of is like, I guess you have your own sort of reasons, but it's like, do you feel like you, like you, like, where is it that you, that you wish to play like now having made like the wrong Todd? Like, where do you feel like you're going now? Like, do you, are you, do you feel like having made the wrong Todd? Like that you're like, all right, well, that was cool. Well, let me see if I can take this and sort of, you know, leapfrog into something bigger. Or is it something where like, all right, that was really great. These are the mistakes that I made. Let me refine this and like try again um, and make something that is like equal or, or you know, of, of the same quality too. Yeah, well, I, I think, um, you know, we, we had some momentum building up around the film um, around February of 2020. Um, mm -hmm. So th things were going well. Um, and then I don't know if you heard, there's this virus going around. Yeah. Crazy uh, shit. Yes. We got a, so we got a little, little setback there. Um, but I, I think, I think it's like you said, it's, you, you want to, if you get into micro budget filmmaking, it's a certain like set of skills and know-how. Um, I still want to do that. I want to do it. What's, what's between micro and macro budget? I don't know. Somewhere in the middle. I think the next one should be, you know, Wrong Todd was about 
yeah. Yeah, just a vast amount of cash. Total uh, weeds. Yeah, it's nothing. I'm kidding. Uh, no, there's like, there's there's an upper micro or a low budget, which you can definitely yeah. graduate to. I like that term, yeah, so, okay, upper micro budget. That's, uh, I think we should admit that. Yeah. But go ahead, Rob, Would you? what were you saying? Uh, yeah, so that that's exactly it. Le upper micro budget should be next. So I want to take the lessons learned from this one. Um, you know, particularly that. Uh, you know, what was the budget on the on the wrong Todd? If you don't mind saying, we ended up spending about fifty thousand. All right, thousand dollars. So fifty with a zero five zero. Five zero. Um, okay. So you that's know good. that's the, that's that's pretty good. Uh, it's on the low end too. So I think the next one should be like two fifty. Um, hopefully, you know, getting on Prime and Showtime and like having that, showing that success um, with what we had, the small amounts that we used, um, using that to kind of graduate to the next level, as you said, Kay. Um, and, you know, I, I, I like, I wouldn't want to, I'm not out there thinking I'm going to be directing, you know, $100 million films someday. Um, but to, to, to shoot for the middle <laughs> would be would be really great. Would you be averse to shooting like a hundred million dollar movies? Like, is the, like you know, is that a thing, or is it just like ah, I don't really? Care. Oh sure, if if Warner Brothers showed up, well maybe not Warner Brothers. <laughs> if a yeah. if a studio came by and said, hey, we want you to, we're going to give you the money, we're going to let you do this. Of course, I I, I wouldn't say no. Yeah, um, Rob, would you say no? Like, like, oh hell no. Um, okay, just to, I was like, I wouldn't say no. I don't, if, yeah. I don't know. Like, you know, I sort of go back and forth. I think there's one studio. Like, I'm sort of holding out. Like, you know, I don't think that I would. I don't know. It depend. It would depend on the movie. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's a, you know, my bills are paid. I think that's one of the things that I'm sort of. And as much as I hate my day job, you know, if somebody, you know. If they want me to direct like Fast and Furious 11, I might do it because I think those movies are hilarious. But like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, but I also do have like uh, certain principles. Like I might hesitate at doing a movie at Warner Brothers. I might hesitate because I'm just like, y'all don't have the right look. And like, the, like I would feel icky kind of doing a movie there. You know what I mean? Like it's, nah. but Marvel, 100,000%. Like a Marvel came to me and was just like, I'm like, I'm, I've been waiting. I've got the treatment here. I've, I've got the whole thing. You guys want me to do Secret Wars? That's so great. Um, I like, mean, that that's that's the dream, right? To be able right. to be discriminating against uh, who you who you work yeah. for. Right. I was um, going to say, I'm not discriminating. I would go full Taika Waititi <laughs> and just direct from my massage, uh, my massage table. Yeah, it'd be fine. Be like, good job, guys, on a mic. And then I would just get a deep tissue massage. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like, um, you know, I, I, I like I said, I would like to be discerning. Um, but for me, I really feel like where my heart lies and where I would rather, where I would be, I feel like I would be the most happy is like, I, I want to, I want that, I want that, um, I want that Duplass dream. You know what I mean? Like, nothing made me more excited. Then when I heard like the Duplass brothers, like they had shot, I think it was like season two and three of Room 104 back to back. And they just sold both seasons like to HBO. They just sold them the money and I mean, sold them the, the show and got the money. And then they were just like, all right, that's how we roll. Like that to me, I'm like, that's a perfect scenario where you're just like, I'm going to do this show. I'm going to sell it to you. You take the show. You pay me my money and I don't have to listen to you. Like you stay over there. <laughs> I'm going to stay over here. I'm doing my thing. And who knows what they made the episodes for? You know what I mean? 
Like, there's no telling because they all that stuff's in house. But like, I, you know, that seems to be like to me, like, like the dream. Like, if you don't have to step inside of that system, you're just you're doing your own scripts. You're hiring your own people. You're working with the people that you want to work with. You're just doing that. Like to me, that seems like like the the perfect mixture of like upper micro budget. You know, like that sort of thing. Like if you're it, if that's that's the goal for me. Like that would be where I'm aiming at. That's that's the 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 lawn dart for me. Um, I'm trying to get there rather than even with Marvel. Like as much as I would love to direct or write uh, Avengers Secret Wars. Like, I, I don't think that I would want to stay in that system. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it sounds nice, but, you know, there's you're not going to be able to do the things that you want because, you know, there's there are certain caveats when you uh, have to write and direct and make films or make art for a four-quadrant audience. I mean, let's just, let's be honest. Um, but anyway. Um, um, so I have a question for you, Rob. Um uh, not Rob, but Rob. That's not still Rob. not helping. So not Rob. the wrong Rob. Yes, yeah. Rob. <laughs> yeah. Schulbaum, which is German for school tree. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Good yeah, job. see, uh, high school German class helps me with people's <laughs> last names. I'm like, hmm, Schulbaum. Um, yeah, so I was going to say, did you find that because you self-produced this and financed this, that when you went out for potential distribution, did you find you had a better bargaining chip? Because sometimes people tie in with, you know, distrib distribution uh, people sooner. Uh, did you find that now you kind of held more of the cards and you could kind of uh, hold out for the better offer? Yeah, no, no, not at all. <laughs> uh, we, you know, we... <laughs> Our, our my my plan was only up to finishing the movie, um, okay. which we did, and we were very lucky to get into LA Film Fest. Um, oh, that's you know, the a last wonderful one, film last festival. They did. Yeah, yeah. So that was that was really you know the big break for this movie um, because we we met great people, hired a great PR agent, um, and you know that gave us the the platform. There there was no dream of of distribution when I when we started making it. Um, Luckily, we 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 fell into it, and we got we got a good offer right off the bat. Um, and I was just happy to get it to be seen. Um, I will say, right. no one got rich off of it. Um, I can assure you of that. Um, but it's You're on it's our being, podcast, you know. <laughs> it's being pushed on multiple platforms, and you know, right. people are seeing you. You came across it. The algorithm uh, honored us with suggesting it to you. Um, and so, so yeah, it's. Um, I'm happy we we ended up going with uh, with Gravitas, um, who have been really great. I they they seem to be working hard on it. They don't tell me what they're doing, um, but it's out there. I want to yeah, ask. I know um, Gravitas. Yeah, go ahead. About the script, um, how long did it take to sort of put that together? Like you know, like what was the process, or like was it like over years, over months? Yeah, well, it's, it started as a short. Um, we did an eleven minute short version. Um, so it was, it was, it was just a matter really of taking that core idea and, and stretching it out, um, which, you know, it's, I, I don't know about how you guys write, but for me, it's like, I think about it for a year um, and I struggle over it and I look at a blank page and then all of a sudden it kind of all pours out. Um, Is so that I think short that, online? Um, can we find that? Can we, can we put that in the show notes? I was, I was instructed to scrub the internet of the short when no. it came out. So, well, because- 
they were afraid my producer was afraid people would get confused um okay. you know they'd they'd watch the short and be like what's what is this this, the fuck? this is not a movie um also that i mean talk about low budget that was even lower budget so um i uh i don't think it's out there anymore to be perfectly honest all right well um well so you wrote the short and then um did you get into festivals was it like a or just was it the response people were like yes and so we did we got into one festival holly shorts i think it was in uh That's a great 2014 festival too. Mm -hmm. yeah 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 yeah, it was it was great. And, you know, they put you in a block with like eight other shorts. So it's two hours of shorts. Um, and, you know, that was the first time a large audience had seen that idea. Um, and they were laughing at the right points. And um, with, with one exception, <laughs> which I, I learned a lesson from. Um, but it was at that moment that I knew that the, the idea had traction. Um, and it was just a matter of, of exploring it and drilling down into the core concepts to to make it into a feature. All right. Well, um, speaking of writing, uh, we're gonna we're coming down to our last two questions that we ask of every guest. And the, I'm gonna ask you the first one, and, and Kate Tuxford. Wait, wait, well, way to oh. make Rob feel special. You're like we ask everybody this. We, no, we do. We just it's ask a, you. You know what? Special flower. Stop okay. It. Stop <laughs> it. We are on a podcast. I don't want um, any special treatment. I just want to be treated like the others. <laughs> so our first question is, do you like writing? Um, like, is that, because I know you sort of came up and you like with a, wanting to be in comedy, um, but do you like writing specifically? Uh, if, Ooh, see, that that's kind of like asking if, if somebody likes having a root canal. <laughs> like, <laughs> no. No, I don't like writing, but I like having <laughs> written. You yeah, know what I mean, as I'm so has, happy when it's yeah, on the page. As someone who's had a root canal, you you hate it, but then afterwards you're like, oh, I'm not in agony anymore. So yeah, it's great. <laughs> yeah, no, it's I, I, I exaggerate. It it's it's it is tough um, to sit down and for me and you know hash out those ideas and and you know kill your your babies and you know, uh, make the hard choices of what, what gets in and what doesn't. Um, but after it's done, um, I feel, I feel really good about it. All right. And, uh, our question, this is our signature question and I'm going to let Kate Tuxford ask, and I'm going to, I'm going to just stay <laughs> silent until, until, uh, it's answered. Go ahead. Okay. Kate. Uh, so do you outline or are you a pantser and just run through it? Yeah. Outline. Um, I'm, I'm kind of, Yes. Math, math, like you said, uh, math, what did you say, Rob? Cinemathematician. Cinemathematician, yes. No, nice. I, I, I'm making t-shirts. He's one of I us. Huge... He's one of us, Rob. Yeah, yeah. He's not one of you. This Rob is my Rob. Yeah, he's on my team. <laughs> hey, they're both, they're both great methods. If I tried to pants it, uh, no, that I would not do a good job with that. I, I have to have like, I got index cards. It looks like serial killer shit behind me, you know? Like all the the lines and the connections. No, I I I plan everything out. <laughs> it's like that meme. Um, yeah, no, I like I I understand it. And Kate Tuxford, God bless her, she is very much of the outlining variety. Um, normally, she has her her board of crazy um, in the background. Uh, yeah, I'm in I'm in fish tank room instead. Fish tank yeah. and gecko room. Yeah. So normally she's got her serial killer wall up behind her, but she doesn't yeah. today. But um, she's very much of that of that ilk, and I think that's that's one of the reasons why we don't 
we don't cross lines. Um, but we love each other very much. But you know, it's just you know, we just you know. Um, I got, I got, I got respect for the the seat of the pantsers. I really do. I just know it's not something I have the ability to do. Yeah, I think all of my stories would devolve into the same story if I don't actually outline. That's my fear. I'm like, and then the world blows up and they're like, you can't make the world blow up every time. Okay? You made like, it I, blow up yeah. the last time. Last yeah. time you blew up the world. And you're like, yeah. all right, I guess. Uh, I, right. yeah. I just, you know, because like I was telling Kate Tuxford about this. Like I literally, like for me, I feel like as much as I hate soup um, because it's an apocalypse food and we don't need it, because we're not currently living in apocalypse. So like when we are, when the world, you know, goes whatever and we're not Elon Musk and we'll all have to eat soup, like we'll have to eat soup. There will be so much soup. So I don't need it now because I know that if I actually live to the apocalypse, I'm gonna be eating a lot of soup, so I don't need it. Anyway, anyway, I'm not taking that out, Ketak, so I'm leaving it in. But anyway, I feel like, like a soup, like master, like I like to, like I have a bunch on the, on the, like on the burners. I just leave them in. I'm like, oh, what if I, what if I added a little bit of this? You know, like that meme of the guy, like with the salt, you know what I mean? Like I'm doing that, but to soup. And like, there's a bunch of different ones. And like, I had an idea uh, of this thing. I was just like, you know, I've, I've had this one idea about like how, like speaking of superheroes, like how everyone in the superhero universe got powers. And then for for me, then it was like this idea came into my brain. I was like, wait a minute. If you have had superheroes or like people uh, of like varying power levels, like circa slavery, what would it be like? What that would have completely changed like the South. Like you think about the idea of like superhero slaves, like that would have changed everything. And then I was like, ooh, that's a great idea. That's Huh. Huh. That and is it just, it just Rob, this is Robert pantsing himself right here right. on this podcast. <laughs> Literally. Yes. Like I'm just like, I'm like, <laughs> ah, ah, ah. And then like my brain goes for that. And then like you can't do that if you've already got because for me, like if I'd already like put down the outline, if I'd already gone, and then you have a thought like that, that immediately feels like now I've got to put that in another project instead of being like, no, I'm just gonna follow that thread. Fuck it. I'm gonna go down that rabbit hole. I'm gonna write that. That sounds great. Uh, 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 I don't know. Maybe, maybe the good Rob can confirm with me. Uh, you can always change your outline. You can just take that little card off the wall, boop, put a new one up there. It is a possibility. Just, uh, just gonna put that out there. <laughs> yes, it's true. If you have the wherewithal to uh, to re-outline, um, then that is definitely an option. Oh, well, um, I just want to say I've I've had some pretty good soups. I just give I soup also, a chance, Rob. I'm like, I was like, I, I don't know. In this, defense like, of soup. Um, soup is like my jam in my household. As soon as oh. somebody has a stuffy nose, they look to me and they're like, what are you going to do about it? Where's soup? It's soup. soup. Yeah, it's, I'm soup. I do, I do the most amazing, apparently, cream. Everybody broccoli. loves soup yeah. in my house, too, except for me. Like, I don't do it because, because I can currently walk outside without a gas mask. Um, so, you know, when that changes... <laughs> When we, you know, when it becomes like The Last of Us, like, you know what I mean? I'm ready for the soup. But until I... then, until then, the soups only exist in my head. Okay. Okay, Rob. 
I think I think you're very ambitious about the apocalypse that they'll be able to have soup and feed it. It's canned. I, um, yeah, you know yeah, what? Let's but, not let's not go down this rabbit hole. Whatever, we, let's move on to that's a whole other podcast. People are going to be living off of dog food. That's it. That's it. I said it. Like they're just gonna they're just gonna be oh eating. Oh my dog god! Food. Yeah. What are we watching, consuming, yes. writing this week? <laughs> uh, I watched. Speaking of, to go back around to our beginning, I watched She Hulk. I watched the first episode. It was hilarious. I watched it's funny as fuck. Um, it's really really fun. Uh, I was worried about it, but it's so much fun. It's so much fun. Um, it was kind of, some of the stuff is a little bit like late 90s or er, no, more like early aughts feminism pod, kind of cringy. But like, you know what I mean? Like, I just sort of, yeah, it's okay. It's fine. Um, but like Tatiana uh, Mazzolani, like Mazzolani is, is killing it, uh, killing it, killing it, killing it, killing it absolutely killing it um i loved it so much um and then i like now you gotta fight the fanboys online i'm not fighting shit um and then i started re-watching uh falcon and the winter soldier um and i you know it's like it sounds weird to say but like this is the type of thing that you'll never get from like a warner brothers show or a movie like the amount of blackness that is inherent in that show was the reason why I loved it the first time. It's like when you're watching this and you're like, this show is so blackity black, black. Like there, like there's so much like, like they're just like, hey, you know what? There was racism in the MCU. Let's explore it. And I'm like, okay, well, we're gonna, we're just gonna go there. Great, great. I love it. Cause that's what happens. You have black, there's gonna be racism. Yes. So it's just like, you know, there's that and just, looking at like the, the the dynamics of like the falcon and his family like the scene they have a great scene which i don't think i don't i don't even know if we were ready for it, but i remember it setting the internet on fire when it, when people saw it but it was like the falcon tries to go out and get a loan and they're like wait you don't have money like you were the avenger dude like where was the money coming from and he was just like they didn't pay us we were just working out for goodwill. And people, like, Black people had a field day. Like, we were so happy to know, like, oh, shit. They were just, like, Tony Stark had these people working like Instagram influencers. Like, he had these people working for clout. Like, it was so crazy. And we were just like, that is so, oh, that is so rich people. That's what they do. That's so terrible. Oh, it was great. Oh, uh, I love it. Anyway, uh, Rob, what are you uh, consuming or writing? Uh, what's going on in, in your neck of the woods? Uh, you know, I mentioned earlier, it's, it's been hard to find the time, but um, I've been, we've been finishing up uh, Better Call Saul. Um, yeah, Great show, obviously, AMC. But um, I, I'm, I'm using, it's kind of a research thing. I enjoy it. But uh, my next film uh, concerns a um uh, lawyers and kind of a very unique lawsuit. Um, so I've been finding that very inspirational um, nice. in terms of in terms of drama and and getting my AMC law degree. That was the reason why I watched uh, the wrong top because of the script that I'm writing uh, being about like sort of playing with reality and uh, you know sort of that kind of thing. And I was just like, ooh, the wrong top. And uh, it was very much sort of what I needed to watch, not to mention the fact that it's a micro-budget film and, and it, the thing. I got to ask a question. There's one There's one question about The Wrong Time that I do want to ask. Like, what was the production design on the 
the interdimensional trailer. <laughs> like, who did that? What genius put that together? Because it looks <laughs> it looks great. It's like yeah, a big yeah. piece of production design. Yeah, no, that was uh, we were very lucky to be hooked up with a guy named Lee. Um, who who lives in Rhode Island um, and just does that kind of shit? Like, I just I drove that motorhome out to his house. Well, most of the way, it broke down and had had to have it towed. Um, but he's he's the kind of guy who just like one day one day he calls me up. He says, "I just drove past a abandoned tanning bed on the side of the road. Should I pick it up?" I was like, "Of course, <laughs> of course you should." And that became like the door with the that. So nice. It, it, yeah, it, it's exactly what you said. Just a genius. Um, uh, who was able to make that's that also before. your cameo in the movie you have a cameo in the movie at the beginning as like the guy who's going like the first person who's going at the beginning of the movie i was like who is that and then i was like oh wait he's cameoing his own movie oh cool it's <laughs> a little m night moment um does there is there a storyline as to where you were going or is it just like is that a secret we're just like an easter egg little <laughs> uh no no backstory the the, the story behind that is uh do I pay another actor to come out here, or do I just do it myself? Um, I know that storyline. I've performed that storyline as that's well. That's great. Yes. yes. Oh man, Kate Tuxford. Uh, yes, yes. So, um, so watching this week, I am watching. Uh, I saw the rehearsal, the first five episodes of the rehearsal, which is just, uh, if you've seen Nathan for you, it's exactly that. It is just bizarre and meta and crazy, and it just kind of like folds in on itself. So you either like that or you don't. Uh, our house is about 50-50 of absolutely addicts or other people going, this is just much too silly. So pick and choose, but basically the whole premise. Have you seen, have you, either of you seen it yet? No, I've, no. I've been hearing people yeah. who've been like, you know, the thing, but I, I you know, like I, I'm probably get to it. It's, yeah, it's as on I'm my saying, list. It's basically Nathan Fielder is finding people who want to rehearse a big moment in their life and he's setting it up to like there's some synecdoche new york vibes where he'll recreate an entire <laughs> he'll recreate an entire set or interior someone's house so they can practice it and hire actors that then stalk the real person to get the behavior so they can like practice the thing they're gonna do uh and then then they finally execute it and obviously it's been wildly out of control because you can't control the insanity that is people but yeah, it um, sounds like your insanity personified it's, it's, it is it is but it's also terribly fascinating so i could not look away um and in the middle of it you're like is this real or not real and in the middle of it you can't really tell um so <laughs> if you find that interesting watch it if you find that way disconcerting don't watch it like just just make your decision there um it's and quite then a testimonial other, yeah <laughs> i feel like i you know i you might I be disturbed like, so you might be bothered yeah um and then also i am working on a series of shorts my team is going to be working on in the next six months so we are working on that slate and uh we're doing a lot like what our guest here rob is doing which is we're starting out with our no budgets um and uh doing those and as we build our team are going to do some things that are a little more ambitious so uh ho hopefully hopefully by the end we'll have uh tested and proven our team so we can work on some bigger projects at the end uh but uh i will be happy to talk about those shoot days coming up soon rob on our podcast yay maybe more on our on our our micro budget series um, and speaking of micro budget, uh, this week's resource is the wrong Todd. 
Um, it's on Amazon Prime. Uh, I've said it before, and I'll probably say it again, and I, I haven't said this to Rob, and I don't want to know what he thinks. Um, if everything, everywhere, all at once is the low-budget multiverse of madness, then the wrong Todd is the micro-budget everything, everywhere, all at once. Um, <laughs> so I like I, I, I want a triple feature of that at the drive-thru. Like, I, I want, like... Uh, like out of order like i want i don't want people to know where it's coming from like i wanted like like i think you know if you were some people will be like oh you do the wrong todd and then you do you know everything everywhere all the then you multiverse of like no let's start off with like you know let's start off with multiverse of madness then we'll do the wrong todd then we'll do everything <laughs> everywhere all at once let's just make it weird um but like <laughs> i feel like that would be like a like a really great um triple feature like multiverse triple feature I really want to organize that somehow. I don't know how. Um, I think I might just have to do it in my house, but it would be really great as like a drive-in triple feature. Um, yeah, multiverse properties are so hot right now. Yeah. I was like, you made this movie circa 2014, right? The first, the, the short. The, the short, yeah. We the shot short. it in yeah. 20, 2016. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, it came out, what was that Paul Rudd series? Uh, not a multiverse thing, but it, yeah, it, it was dealt a with thing where he was a double. Things. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that, there was two of him. Yeah, along the way, they just they keep keep coming out with movies. So I knew we were going in the right direction. We were just right. a little too slow. <laughs> I, I I would argue that you guys were like you were just a little bit ahead of your time. Like, and then of course you know then you had that two year blackout where it was just like oh god you know because of the pandemic. But I was like man this guy. I swear to God, like all it needs is like a little bit of push. Like somebody needs to put these three movies together. I swear to God, like I want to see this movie blow up. Um, I like that idea. You had the triple feature of the, yeah. the mega budget, the low budget, the micro right. budget. It's a great idea. Um, I'll go. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, the wrong Todd is a, is a fantastic movie and I feel like it's near a masterclass in low budget screenwriting. We, we did a deep dive on the one I love and it sort of hits all the beats of what we talked about in that podcast of like being able to stretch the budget by using the same actors to stretch themselves by playing multiple versions of the same characters, um, you know, and sometimes in extreme ways. Um, and, not to mention uh, keeping the the amount of uh, you know of locations down um, and reusing the same locations like the same trailer like in multiple <laughs> universes. I just I loved it. Um, it's it's very much a, a like a if you're learning about like what type of things what type of blueprint should you follow. Um, if you're writing a, a low budget um, feature, you can learn so much from the wrong Todd. And uh, Rob, I'm, I'm really glad to get you on the podcast. Um, and uh, that is our show. Screenwriting from the Trenches can currently be found on Anchor, Apple, Google, and Spotify podcasts, as well as KevinLMartin.com. And since we are a new podcast, we'd appreciate if you drop us a like, rate us five stars, whatever platform that you patronize, because algorithms for questions for us that we can and will answer on the show please email me at rob at respectfulmofo.com you can also find us on twitter i am at respectfulmofo rob are you on twitter i think so but I, not for five six years probably 
Do you have another? <laughs> you have the worst, another... Uh, that was the worst plug ever I've said. <laughs> totally uh, do you have off. another social you use? Yeah, do you want to have another social that you want uh, to ask? No, just uh, check out The Wrong Todd on yeah. Amazon Prime and Paramount Plus, maybe? Yeah, check it out, folks. <laughs> then find, find his not used for five, six year Twitter account and uh, go harass him there and tell him how great it is. Uh, <laughs> I am at K underscore Tux. Yes, and these things as well as my YouTube channel where I have a digital series, How to Make a Movie for $1,000, will all be linked in the show notes. Everything will be linked in the show notes. Thanks so much for listening. We hope that you will continue to do so. Now, stop procrastinating. Those pages aren't going to write themselves. Uh, Rob, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Well, it was really great to have you. Uh, Thanks for having me. This is great. Inaugural guest for our micro budget series. Yes. Um, and we wish you nothing but success, sir. Uh, just, you know, we want to promote this movie as much as we can. I really love The Wrong Top. And whatever really, you're working really appreciate on. appreciate it. Sorry. And whatever you're working on next, we, uh, you know, if you have a new project, we always like to plug it and be like, yes, our guy, other Rob, the right Rob. Uh, <laughs> The I'm right like, Rob. The I'm wrong a- time, <laughs> but the right Rob. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. Well, thank, Rob. thank you very much. Yeah. yeah, I'll be I'll be listening to you guys and uh and, and good luck with your projects. Mm-hmm.